Did I turn it up? Okay. I'm on. Praise the Lord. The Bible says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. You know, this is welcome to year 2011. Today is the first Sunday of a brand new year. And I tell you, when you are with the Lord, every day is sweeter than the day before. Amen? You believe that? So I can say that 2011 will be sweeter than the year before. And not only that, that His mercies are new every morning. Today is day two of year 2011. That means there are 363 more days ahead of us to correct some of the mistakes that we made in 2010. To change the things that needs to be changed, to improve on the things that needs to be improved, and to do better this time. May this be a year of spiritual growth maturity, and fruitfulness for our Christian life. So the title of my message today is Grow, Mature, and Fruitful for 2011. Let's bow our heads and let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you and we praise you for this wonderful morning, Lord God, the first Sunday of the year, Lord. Thank you so much for your goodness and your faithfulness, Lord God, throughout the year 2010, Lord God. And Lord, we are looking forward to, for 2011, Lord, for a fruitful year, Lord. And Lord, we ask that you will be with us today. You will speak to the hearts of your people. And your, your spirit, Lord, will have preeminence in our service, Lord God. And Father, we will be very careful to give you honor and glory and praises, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's begin with Jeremiah 29.11. If you can flash it on. The Word of God says that, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Plans, in other translations, it says, my plans is to prosper you. Prosper you in what? In many areas of our lives. In your marriage, in your relationships, in your business, in your finances, in your health, and above all, your spiritual life. Because your spiritual life is more important than how much money you have in the bank or any other earthly investments you have. It is more important than your educational achievements. It is more important than fame, fortune, and power. Part of God's plan is to give you hope that is steadfast and sure and a bright future. And God can surely do it for you because we serve a mighty God. We serve an awesome God. 
The Bible says he will not withhold any good thing from his children. He is the God that guides and provides, for he is our good shepherd. God has a plan, and he knows his plans for you and me. And that plan is to prosper you in your Christian life. What I mean by that, it's, uh, when I say prosper, don't think of prosperity. There's so many teachings out there that is out of balance that, you know, you have to be driving a SUV or a luxury car to be prosperous. No, it's not. God wants you to see, God wants to see you grow as a Christian. God wants to see you mature as a Christian. God wants to see you fruitful as a Christian. Because only when you grow mature and fruitful, then you become useful in the kingdom of God. There are three areas of the Christian life that we need to grow, mature, and be fruitful in our, in our, in our lives. One is prayer. Second is worship. And third is daily reading of the Word of God. And actually, each one of these areas are a sermon in itself. But I just compressed this in, in one sermon. So we start with prayer. If you can flash there, Luke 11.1, 1, please. It says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. Notice that the disciples did not ask Jesus, Lord, teach us to preach. They did not ask Jesus, Lord, teach us to lead worship. They did not ask the Lord, Lord, teach us to lead the small groups or to lead a Bible study. But instead, the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. This verse clearly indicated that there is a right way and a wrong way to pray. There is not a Baptist way to pray. There is not a, a Pentecostal way to pray. There is no Presbyterian way to pray. There is no Catholic way to pray. There is no Episcopalian way to pray. There is just only a right way and a wrong way to pray. Because God is the only one answering the prayer. Now what is prayer? Prayer is not sending God to run on your errands. Amen? Prayer is not getting God prepared to do your will. Prayer is not coming to God to get a stamp of approval about your plans. Amen? Prayer is not to get what you want from God, 
but that God might get what He wants from you. Let me repeat that. That is very important. Prayer is not to get what you want from God, but rather that God might get what He wants from you. And do you know what God wants from you? God wants your heart. God wants your heart to line up with His heart. God wants your will to line up with His will. Remember, God always looks at the heart. The condition and the intents of your heart is always being watched by God. It is not what you say that is important to God. It is what's in your heart. Prayer is getting you prepared to do God's will. Prayer is the only way to release the supernatural power in your life, in your marriage, in your business. If your marriage is under attack, pray. If your children is being tormented by the prince of darkness, pray. If your business is failing, pray. If you're fighting a deadly disease, pray. If you're lost and without God, pray. If your life is empty, pray. If your life is meaningless and seems hopeless, pray. If you're facing a crisis, pray. If you're looking for a job, pray. If you're looking for a husband or a wife, pray. If you want your spouse and children to be saved, pray. If you're searching for direction, pray. If you're facing financial difficulties, pray. Jeremiah says, call upon me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that you know not. I recommend to you the power of prayer. There are three things that can change the course of your life. Prayer, prayer, prayer. For our God answers prayer. For He always listens to the cries of His children. Amen? You are so quiet. I'm, I'm scared. You know, I remember this, a man was looking for a job and he was uh, jobless for a while. He was looking through the uh, classified ads and, and he lifted up his head and said a little prayer and said, God, if you will give me a job, I will be happy for the rest of my life. Two weeks later, he started on his new job and he was making good money. And later on, he prayed again. He said, God, if you will give me a good wife, I will be happy for the rest of my life. And six months later, eight months later, he was married and he got a new wife. And so later on, they were out shopping in the mall. And they were going around the mall. And he said another prayer. He said, God, if you will give me a second job, 
I'll be happy for the rest of my life. You'll get it later. <laughs> Let me drink. Why pray? Why pray? Many people ask this question, why pray? If God knows the desires of my heart, why pray? If God knows what I'm going to say, before I say it, why pray? These are the questions of people who haven't understood the power of prayer. The first answer to the question, why pray, is prayerlessness is sin. Can you flash 1 Samuel 12, 23, please? Thank you. It says, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. It says, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray. A prayerless Christian is a weak Christian. A prayerless Christian is a miserable Christian. A prayerless Christian is a Christian who is always defeated in his life. A prayerless Christian, a prayerless Church is a weak church. A prayerless family is a divided family. It has been said, and it bears saying again, the family that prays together stays together. Husbands, do you pray for your wife? Do you pray for your children? Because according to 1 Samuel 12.23, you have sinned against the Lord if you don't. Don't think that going to church, sing a couple of songs, is really all God wanted you to do on Sunday. God expects you every day of the week to pray for the people in the house. Everybody, everybody in the house, Somebody prayed for you. Who are you praying for? The Bible says that Job offered sacrifices for his ten children every day of their lives. What are you doing for your children in the arena of prayer? What are you doing for the members of your family? God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray. Why pray? Because we are recommended to pray. Matthew 6.6 6 says, When you pray, it didn't say if you pray. It says when you pray. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. We know the importance of prayer. We know the benefits of prayer. We know the power of prayer. We know the plan of prayer. We know the pattern of prayer. We know the priority of prayer. We know the purpose of prayer. And yet we do not practice 
to pray. Get it straight. Prayerlessness is sin. Say that with me. Prayerlessness is sin. Why pray? If you spend 30 hours watching TV, how much time you spend praying? Or if you pray after the late, late night show and your brains are too fried and you don't know who you're talking to, who is the Lord of your life? Is it Hollywood or Holy Spirit? It's an honest question. Why pray? James says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. He says, Effectual, fervent prayer means praying out of your heart. It's not just saying some memorized prayer out of the book. James says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The question is, how much? Elijah prayed to God to stop the rain and it didn't rain for three and a half years. Now to stop the rain in an agricultural society is like shutting down Wall Street or the stock market. Elijah with one prayer shut down the economy of the country. Joshua prayed, and the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day in order to have enough time to defeat their enemy. And the Bible continued to say in verse 14 of Joshua 10, that there has never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a man. By the way, that's in Joshua chapter 10, verse 12 to 14. If you're, you might be looking for that in your, in your uh, Bible. That's when the sun stopped because one man knew how to pray. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky. Just imagine that. You pray and you stop the sun. The three Hebrew children prayed and they were thrown into the fire and the fourth man appeared and they walked out without the smell of smoke upon them. Hezekiah prayed and an angel of the Lord destroyed, destroyed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. Jesus prayed, Lazarus, come forth and a dead man walked out of his grave. Nothing, nothing is impossible to them that believe because our God answers prayer. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Let me ask you this question. Who needs to talk to the Prime Minister of Canada or the President of the United States when you can talk to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. When you can talk to the Almighty God. When you can talk to the Creator of the universe. When you can talk to the God who owns a cattle of a thousand hills. When you can talk to the God who can make a way when there seems to be no way. 
when you can talk to the God who can make rivers in the desert, I would rather spend my time in the presence of the one who loves me so much and cares for me because in his presence there is fullness of joy. The highest picture you can ever have of man is not when he is up on a stage receiving an award with people standing in ovation or being applauded by the whole world or acquiring power, fame, and fortune. But rather when he is down on his knees and praying to the creator of the universe, the almighty God. The point is, man is it. He is at his highest when he is down on his knees talking to God in prayer. Think about that. How important is prayer? Very, very important in the life of the believer. A juvenile delinquent was sent to a Catholic home for wayward children. <clears throat> and he told the nun that he wanted a new bicycle. And the nun said, Son, in your prayers tonight, if you'll tell the Lord you'll be good for four weeks, I'm sure the Lord will give you a new bicycle. So that night he knelt down and said, Dear Lord, I'll, give, I'll be good for four weeks if you'll give me a new bicycle. And he said to himself, I can't be good for four weeks. So he prayed, Lord, I'll be good for two weeks if you'll give me a new bicycle. And he said to himself, I can't be good for two weeks. So he prayed again, and he said, God, I'll be good for one whole week. And then he saw a statue of the Virgin Mary on the dresser. He wrapped it on a pillowcase and tucked it under the bed and said, God, if you ever want to see your mother again. You know, sooner or later, your prayer life will reveal who you really are. Your prayer life is the barometer of your spiritual maturity. And I say this again. A prayerless Christian is a weak Christian. A prayerless Christian is a miserable Christian. A prayerless Christian is a Christian who always lives in defeat. Prayer is not the least or the last thing we can do, but the first, the best, and the most. Come to Him in prayer. Talk to Him. He wants you to come to Him. He said, Come unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that you know not. Prayer is just only one of the areas of our Christian lives that we need to grow, to mature, and to be fruitful. The next is worship. Let me, let me drink. My throat is... Now we come to the area of worship. You know, 
before I came to Christ, my life was in a total wreck. I was like a runaway train running at top speed headed for destruction. I was into drugs, alcohol, and many other things. I didn't have a good relationship with my, my parents and my brothers and my sisters. I was rebellious to the bone. And it was happening when I was at the age of 15 and all the way to the middle of 20s. But uh, to make it short, something happened to me one night at a, at a party when everybody was having fun. We were drinking and drugs were there. And all of a sudden, a sudden crushing feeling set in in my heart. Like a lightning bolt that struck me down inside. And it shook me to the core like a extreme magnitude of earthquake hit me. And it feels like a dark cloud. Dark cloud of emptiness and hopelessness set in and engulfed me. I didn't know then, but I know now and realize now that God's surgical hands started working in my heart. Because now I know that I didn't get just a triple bypass or a quadruple bypass. What I got was a brand new heart from God. I went home that night with a heaviness in my heart. I laid down on my bed and I asked this question. Question came out of me, of my head, and I asked this question. Why am I here? What is my purpose? What am I doing here? And those questions were unanswered for a long time. And that unanswered questions led to many more questions. Questions like, am I just going to be born, learn to walk, learn to run, go to school, eat, sleep, eat, sleep, go to high school, graduate, Eat, sleep, eat, sleep, go to university, graduate, find a job, marry somebody, and then retire. After retiring, what then? Die? And I said to myself, if this is life, if this is life, I would rather end it right here, right now. What a pathetic life. If, if you don't have any 
purpose in life. You are the most pathetic person in the whole world if you don't know your purpose in life. One day I stumbled upon in my parents' bedroom. I saw this little Bible, a very little Bible, tiny one. Uh, it's, a, it's a living Bible. Actually, it's color purple. Looks like the color of Barney. Reminds me of Barney. Yeah. It's a living Bible. And I read that Bible starting from Matthew. And from that time on, I started reading, in, reading it. The pages of the Bible looks like the the words are leaping it looks it feels like it was alive it was jumping out of the pages and you know i read the whole new testament in one month twice that's how hungry i was and after reading it the result is I met the most wonderful person in the whole world, the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, I met the Lord Jesus Christ through the pages of the scriptures. I met him, he, I found him to be the most wonderful person, the most loving person in the whole world. And through him, all my questions were answered. And at that point, I realized that Jesus Christ is the answer to all the questions, to all the problems in our lives and in this world. And through the revelation of the Holy Spirit, I found out that I was created for a special and specific purpose. And that reason, that purpose for my existence, for our existence, and that is to worship Him. To give glory and honor to the one who created and saved us. So to everyone who calls himself or herself, a Christian, you have to understand that our ultimate and number one priority in life is to worship Him. To worship Him is to bring glory and honor to Him. To worship Him is to adore Him, to praise Him, and to please Him, and to exalt His name. To worship Him is to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto Him. To worship Him is to acknowledge His greatness. To worship Him is to humble and to forget ourselves and to concentrate on Him. To worship Him is to ascribe to Him supreme worth. To, to worship Him is to acknowledge what He has done in our lives. To worship Him is to lift up the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, that sweet, sweet name of Jesus. 
For there is no other name given among men where we might be saved. The name of Einstein will open the gates of science. The name of Rockefeller will open the gates of finances. The, the name of Beethoven will open the gates of music. The name of Pablo Picasso will open the gates of arts. But the majestic name, that majestic name of Jesus will open the gates of heaven and shut the door of hell. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is the name that is above every name. Worship Him, adore Him, and magnify His name. Because there is none likened unto Him. There is none that we can compare to Him. He alone deserves our highest and utmost praise and worship. Worship Him in the beauty of His holiness. Worship Him for what He has done for you. Worship Him for giving you a second chance in your life. Worship Him for answering your prayers. Worship Him for saving you and your loved ones. Worship Him for making a way when there seems to be no way. Worship Him for coming to you in your life at the right time. Worship Him for while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Worship Him for... When he knew no sin, he became sin, that we might be saved. So if worship is the sole purpose as to why God created us, then worship, worshiping him must be our number one and ultimate priority in life. If worshiping Him is our number one and ultimate priority in life, then knowing how to worship Him the right way is of utmost importance for us. John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, <clears throat> excuse me, says, But the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must, must, he says, must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You don't pass by these scriptures in the Bible. You don't pass by when it says must. When the Bible says you must be born again, you don't pass by that scriptures. That is very, very important. It says you must worship Him in spirit and in truth. <clears throat> God is seeking for worshipers and not just worshipers but true worshipers if there are true worshipers there are false worshipers right only the person who worship god in spirit and in truth are true worshipers 
Worshipping God in spirit and in truth is the only acceptable way to worship Him. The word must makes it absolute and it means that it is not optional. Worshipping God in spirit means we worship Him from the heart. Our human spirit is designed to communicate and be in touch with the Spirit of God. And that means when we worship God, our worship must come from our heart, from our innermost being, our heart. We love the Lord with all our heart. We pray to God from our heart. We do good deeds from the heart. We give our tithes and our offering from a cheerful heart. So when we worship Him, we worship Him from the heart. So everything begins and starts from the heart because God looks at the heart. So worshiping God with our lips is a waste of time. Do I hear amen? Worshiping God with our lips is a waste of time. Matthew 15.8 says, Jesus quoting prophet Isaiah said, They worship me with their lips, but their heart are far away from me. Again, worshiping with our lips is a waste of time. Worshiping God in truth means worshiping Him according to His word. John 17.17 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Worship will turn the tide of defeat into victory. David, a worshiper, a man who knew how to worship, defeated Goliath. Paul and Silas worshiped God inside the jailhouse in the midnight hour, and God responded with an earthquake, and he came out with a jailhouse key on one hand and a convert on the other hand. Worship will turn the tide of defeat into victory. Now we turn to Bible reading and meditation on the Word of God. We finish prayer, worship, and now we are on Bible reading and meditating on the Word of God. Joshua 1.8 and Psalms 1, 1-3. It says, Joshua, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything, every, everything written on it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Psalms chapter 1 verse 1 to 3 says also, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields his fruit, fruit in its season, and his leaf does not wither in all that he does, he prospers. The Bible promises that if we meditate on the God's Word, that He will 
we will have a good success and that all that we do shall prosper. A couple of years ago, I was diagnosed with a type 2 diabetes. My doctor was not much of a help. I did not get any advice of what, what to eat, what I cannot eat, and, and the foods that I should stay away from. So I did a lot of researching on the internet, and, I, and also, would you believe, I would spend hours and hours standing in the aisles of Superstore reading the labels of each, uh, the nutritional labels on each box of food there. So I, I just wanted to find out what I can eat, what I cannot eat, and what food I should stay away from. Because knowing what to eat and knowing what not to eat is crucial to our physical health. If we value our physical health, how much more should we value our spiritual health? The Bible is God's holy word, and it contains all the instructions useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. It is very crucial to our spiritual health. No Christians should go on their daily lives without reading the Bible. No Christians should go on their daily lives without letting God speak to them through the Bible. Somebody said, a dusty Bible leads to dirty lives. This book tells us the things that are good for you and me and the things that you should stay away from. This book tells us the things that will build up our spiritual muscles and the things that will harm and destroy us. More important than me than making good choices in the grocery store is thinking carefully about the food we digest for our souls. When we read God's Word, we have to be doing more than checking it off our to-do list. We have to read it and digest it. Yesterday's uh, Our Daily Bread devotional guide tells a story about, if you're reading our devotional, uh, Our Daily Bread, yesterday's devotional says, a hotel in Singapore was introduced, what they call Express Buffet. Eat all you can in 30 minutes and pay half the price. Wow. One diner who experienced this said he lost his decorum, stuffing his mouth with yet more food. He lost his civility, severe, and the result was severe heartburn, followed by lost appetite for the, the rest of the day. Sometimes, or most of the time, Christians treat God's word like an express buffet. 
We always do it as fast as we can. Always in a hurry. And we wonder why we have not learned so much. God's Word provides all the ingredients we need to thrive spiritually. God's Word contains all the nutrients for a healthy soul. God forbid, God's Word forbid, Word is a preventive medicine to help us, to keep us away from sin. God's Word is brain food that makes us wise and discerning. Abraham Lincoln said, I believe the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to man. All the good from the Savior of the world is communicated to us through this book. I urge you, brothers and sisters in the Lord, to read this to hide it in your heart and to cherish every moment you have with the Word. Make this book the passion of your soul. God wants to see you grow, mature, and be fruitful for 2011. In your prayer life, Worship life in your Bible reading time. Make it a habit to spend time with Him. Spend time with Him. Let's bow our heads and let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your word, Lord God.